today we continue in our study um, of what it means to be equipped, what it means to be equipped. And so turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Matthew 28, verse 19. And I just want to read from this last chapter of the gospel according to Matthew. Because in this chapter and in this verse, chapter 28, 19, we will see what God has called the body of Christ into. We need to see how the Lord Jesus has called us to engage with him in the kingdom of God. If you're there in Matthew 28, 19, say amen. amen. If you're not there, say not yet. All right. Go ahead. I'm, I'm giving you just a second. Matthew 28:19. And now I'll begin. Actually, I'll start in 18. 28:18. Then Jesus came to them and said, "All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations." baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you on this Sunday morning. This is our day of worship. This is your day. This is the day that we have carved out of our busy schedules this is the day that we have dedicated to encouraging one another, to coming together in the assembly. This is the day, Father God, that we have set aside not to work, but to worship. This is the day, Father God, that we have set aside to study the Word of God together. This is the day, Lord, that we have chosen to carve out of our busy schedules so that we can make you the priority of our lives. This is the day, Father God, that you have made, and let us be glad in it. Father, I ask that you'd open our minds, that you'd open our hearts, and that you would open our spiritual eyes, that we would see wonderful things in your law. We pray this in Jesus' name, and the people of God said, amen. Put your hands together right now, church, and give God some praise. Come on, church. If you serve a mighty God, make some noise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You got to put hell on notice. You didn't come to Mission Ebenezer, a mealy mouth church, to get walked all over by the devil. You may be discouraged because of what you're going through. You, you may be disheartened because of the things that have happened in your life. Like Mayor Lula Davis Holmes, you might, your life has just become shaken up because of what happened in, in your life. But you cannot stay down. If you are a child of the king, you cannot stay down because you're a child of the most high God. And the power that he has given you from heaven lives inside of you through his son, Jesus Christ, and his name and his banner 
That is love. If you're a believer and you put your trust and your faith in Jesus, and that means that everything in our power that it takes and that it requires for us to walk in power and to walk in faith and to walk in grace has to be in line with him through his spirit. If we are out of alignment with our faith and what we believe and what we declare, then today the Lord is saying, let's get back in line. Let's get back in line. Our theme is equip, but the title of today's message is kind of long, but it's, it's this. To receive all that God has for you, you must want it first. To receive everything that God has for you, you must desire it. You must want it. My daughter Lola loves soccer. She's developing a love for the game. She's about to be seven. Oh, you're starting her too young, Pastor. No, I'm not. It's good to keep kids active. She just happens to be crazy athletic like her mom and her grandma. And so... This past season, in the last couple of months, every opportunity that Lola has, she's saying, Daddy, come on, let's play. Daddy, come on, let's go back to the park. Because she knows that when I take her to the park and we work and train for about 30 minutes, she can go on the zip line for another 15, 20 minutes and have some fun. And then we go for a smoothie. Or when the budget's tight that week, I make the smoothie at home. When we don't have time to go to the park for all that, she says, come on, Daddy, let's go play in the front yard. And we go play in the front yard. Sometimes she says, Daddy, let's come on, let's play in the backyard. And she, like, she wants to go and kick the ball around and do some drills on the basketball court in our backyard. She, she loves it. When I'm not around, she'll take the ball outside and she'll kick the ball up against the wall on her own. And she's practicing dribbling with her right foot and her left foot like Coach Paco Martinez taught her. Pastor, this is how you train her. And in the last couple of games, we've been seeing the improvement in Lola's soccer game. She scored a goal a couple of weeks ago. Yesterday, she didn't score any goals, but she hit the, the, the top of the, of the bar of the, of the goal post twice which means she's developing the skill and how to kick the ball in the air in a line drive. So she's learning both techniques. Last week, she scored two goals. Praise the Lord. She's having fun. And we're having fun screaming with her and at her. The beauty of all of this is that she wants it. She's going to get what she puts into it. And we're seeing it. She's getting better and she's improving every week. And for us, we're just having fun with it. It's not all serious and hardcore. No, we want her to enjoy it. 
And in the same way, she calls out and says, Daddy, come on, let's play. Daddy, come on, let's practice. Daddy, come on, let's go to the park. Daddy, come on with me to the front yard. Daddy, come on with me to the backyard. And if Daddy's not there, she's like, well, I'm going to do it on my own. And I'm going to turn on some soccer hype music. In the same way, the Lord is calling us, the church, and saying, if you desire it, if you want it, you have to go after it. I believe the Lord wants us as a church to be in one accord. Somebody say one accord. I'm not talking about a car either. We won't fit. Hondas are getting smaller and smaller these days. The Lord is saying, if you believe in the Great Commission, if you believe in what I've called the church to do, if you believe that th this day and this age and this dispensation is for the, the works of the Holy Spirit to be put into action through his church, then we have, as the church have to be one body, we have to be one spirit, and we have to be serving one Lord. God's calling us to come together in this great work. As Brother Arnold was ministering here today, God wants to use the church to reach a whole different generation. As Pastor Nana was leading us in worship, she's training up an army so that there could be prayer and praise warriors and people who know how to worship God. As Pastor Dozier was leading and praying and directing us and, and declaring for healing, we are, we are equipping the church to be the hands of healing for Jesus Christ, to be the ears of healing for Jesus Christ, to be those who open up their hearts to sit down and listen and minister grace and mercy and healing to people who are going through tremendous times and tribulations in their lives. Somebody say, healing is here. I believe the Holy Spirit has been given to us to usher in this new wave of healing that he wants the church to administer to God's people. God's redemption plan to send the Holy Spirit to us, that we would be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and so that we as the church can go into the world, and so that we would see the world saved for Jesus Christ. That we would see the, the whole world who is lost, living in darkness, coming to a saving faith and saving grace with Jesus. Can I hear an amen? amen? So I want to ask you the question right now, because I believe God wants us to be in one accord. I'll be sharing the same message with our Spanish congregation, Spanish service. Where is your commitment to the Lord right now. What is your commitment level in Christ right now? Where are you at? Where are you at in your commitment to Jesus? If you're willing, the Holy Spirit would like to equip us with greater desire, greater power, greater ability, and greater skills to be used as vessels as the church. But you have to be willing. You have to be open to God wanting to come in and fill your life 
begin to retrain our thoughts, begin to direct us, begin to equip us, and to show us exactly what that's supposed to look like in your life personally, in your families, and then in the body of Christ as the church. And we're all at different places. We're all going through different things right now. Some of us are going through challenging times in our faith. Some of us are in a transitional moment. Raise your hand if you're in a time of transition right now in your faith. Raise your hand. And just because you may be going through a time of transition, it doesn't mean that you take your foot off the gas pedal in seeking the Lord. Because the equipping in your life and the pursuit of, of, of Christ and the commitment level to Christ may not be outwardly. It may be inwardly. It may be so that God can start doing the healing first in your heart and in your life and so that the Lord can prepare you for what he has in store for you. But the most important thing is that in the spirit, somebody say in the spirit. In the spirit, we have to be in one accord. In the spirit, we have to be willing to receive from the Lord and allow God to work in our lives and not to be closed off to Jesus. We have to reopen our hearts to the Holy Spirit, to his leading, and to what he desires. And once we demonstrate that in our personal lives, the Lord will begin to work right there where you need him to work. I want to share three biblical examples of men and women of God who desired God's best for their lives. Three biblical examples. And the first is found in Genesis 32, verses 22 to 30. Turn with me there, church. Genesis 32, the first book of the Bible, verse 32. And we're going to read about Father Jacob. You see, Jacob was at a point in his life where he was launching out on his own. He had gone through a period of restoration after the great division and divide between him, he and his mother and father and the break between he and his brother Esau. As Jacob went through the period of restoration, a period of reconciliation in his heart between himself and God. The Lord was now launching him out, out from under the covering of being a servant in his father-in-law's house, his father-in-law Laban. So now Jacob's getting ready to launch out on his own. Let me put it in spiritual terms. Jacob was now beginning the process of becoming a people. Let me say that over here to the west side. I don't think you, you got that. Jacob was in the process now of becoming a people. He was about to become a people, just like God wants to continue to create and, and make us into a people. Not just a bunch of different people, but a people. A people. That's what God's doing here at Mission. He's making us into a people. God was taking Jacob into this next place, this new place of becoming a people. Let's see what it says here in 32 verses 22 to 30. 
That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. Verse 24. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched. And he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. Let me read that again. I will not let you go until you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. You see, the name Jacob means deceiver. And this angel of the Lord that he was wrestling with asked him, what is your name? He says, my name is Deceiver. He says, no longer will your name be Deceiver. It will now be Israel, one who wrestles with God. So God was changing his name. He was changing his identity. And now he was about to become a people, not just an individual. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. So Jacob was now going into this, this time of his life where he was going to launch out on his own. And he knew that he was going to need everything that God had for him. So when he has this encounter with God, with this angel of the Lord, and he says that he saw God face to face, Jacob was in the process of saying, God, I am not leaving until you bless me. I know my past. I know where I've come from. I know what you've done to heal me. I, 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 I've not done everybody right. But I'm now at a place in my life where I'm coming back to you, Lord, and I desire the very best that you have for me. Knowing that God's intention and God's best for him was right there at his disposal. And so he stepped into that. He accessed this privilege that he had with the angel of the Lord. And he says, I'm not leaving until you bless me. Maybe some of us today... Struggle with thinking whether or not you're worthy of God's blessing. Maybe some of us today have never known or realized that you can call out to God and you can ask God for all the, the best that he has for your life in Christ. But today the Lord wants to break that open. The Lord wants to remind you today that you can call out to him and say, in the name of Jesus, Lord. I'm not, I'm not leaving this time of prayer until you bless me. I'm not leaving this situation until you bless me, Father God. It says that Jacob wrestled with the angel and, and didn't let him go. And he's just like, let me go. He's like, I'm not letting you go. He's like, well, fine. He touched his, his hip. He says, ah, and finally he slid away. That's the kind of faith that the Lord wants us to have, like Jacob. Can hardly fault Jacob for always wanting the very best that God had in store for him. 
Probably one of the reasons why he stole the birthright from his brother and also cheated him out of the inheritance that belonged to his brother Esau, his twin brother who was born first. But Jacob always desired God's best. Somebody say, the best. God desires the best for you. The second example that I want to highlight today is the story of Elisha, the prophet. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 2, starting in verse 9. I'm not talking about Elijah. We're talking about Elisha. Elisha the prophet, who came right after Elijah. Elijah was in prayer with the Lord. The Lord told him, go and anoint Elisha to be the next prophet of Israel. So Elijah went and sought him out, and he found him. And the Bible says that he took his cloak, his mantle, his cape, and he wrapped it around Elisha while Elisha was treading the fields with 12 yoke of oxen. There were 24 oxen that were treading the field. And when he did that, he says, what is this? He says, the Lord has called you. Come and follow me. And that was the beginning of Elisha's calling. He says, well, let me go and let me hug and kiss my mother and father and let them know what's going on, and then I'll come with you. Elijah said, what have I done to you? Go for it. Let me know when you're ready. So they had a big feast. The Bible says that he took the yoke that he had saddled all 12 pair of oxen, created a big, huge fire. They killed all of the oxen and had a tremendous feast for all the people there in his village. That was the beginning of Elisha's ministry and the calling. Look what it says in 2 Kings chapter 2. Mind you, much time had passed, and Elisha had been following Elijah. He had been ministering to Elijah, his master. He had been serving him and tending to all the needs that Elijah had for his ministry. And Elisha was there at his side observing, learning, being equipped, being trained up in the things of God, in the things of the word of God. And this is what happens now in 2 Kings chapter 2 when the Lord was about to take Elijah, his master, to heaven. It says, verse 9, when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me then, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said, yet you... If you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. And then he took hold of his clothes and tore them apart. He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan River. Then he took the cloak that had fallen from him and struck the water with it. Like they used to do in gym class in 
eighth grade, Stephen White. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. And when he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. I didn't read the portion of scripture that tells us that as Elijah and Elisha were crossing over the river Jordan, just prior to the story that we're reading now, Elijah took the cloak and he, he smacked the water with the cloak and the water split open and divided. So right here, Elisha, his successor, says, let me see if, in fact, the spirit of Elijah was given to me in a double portion. Let me see if I could do what he did. And he took the cloak and he, he struck the water and sure enough, the water split. Signs and wonders came in the ministry of Elisha. Elisha knew that in his generation, he would need a double portion of the spirit of Elijah, his predecessor, his mentor, his, his spiritual father, his master. He knew he needed a double portion of it, the spirit that Elijah had because of the evil and the wickedness that was present in all the land. And so Elisha desired all the best that God had in store for him, and he never withheld asking from the Lord the very best that God had for him. Even to the point of asking Elijah for a double portion of his spirit. How many of you are tracking with me? Elisha never settled, but for the best. He wanted to be used mightily of God. How many of us here want to be used mightily of God? How many of us desire for God to work in our lives, to equip us and prepare us for the things that he has in store for us? Even for leading yourself. How can we lead others? How can we help others if we've not received the healing and we've not learned yet to, to lead ourselves? So Elisha went after it. He fought for it. And he was there to grab it. When he asked Elijah for the double portion of his spirit, he says, the only way you're going to get it is if you're there and you see me when I am taken up. What does that mean? It means that Elisha never let Elijah out of his sight. It means that he stayed by his side. He was vigilant in the things of the Lord. He was vigilant in the things that his master Elijah was showing him and that he was teaching him. And that after he was obedient and with this great condition of being there and seeing Elijah being taken into heaven, Elisha is blessed with the double portion of his spirit. This story also brings to mind Abraham in the Bible when he went up to Mount Moriah to present a sacrifice and the Lord told him, Take your son and sacrifice him on the top of Mount Moriah. And Abraham said, are you sure that's what you're asking me to do? And he took his son Isaac up to the mountain. And he obeyed. And his son Isaac was saying, what's going on? I don't see the sacrifice. I don't see the lamb. I don't see the ram. Where is the sacrifice that we're that, that we're?" we're going to, to make and that we're going to do and we have all this wood but where's the sacrifice and the, you know what Abraham said the Lord will provide and when Abraham was there 
and saw the ram in the thicket because of his faith. The Lord had provided because he was at the right place and he was at the right time in order to receive his blessing at that moment. We're a, we're a people. We're a spiritual people. Our lives have to be led spiritually. It's spirit first, not flesh first. The flesh will follow the spirit. The mental, the emotional, the psychological, all of that follows spirit. Because the spirit of God was placed in mankind, that is when he breathed into Adam and created Adam in his own image. And in his own image, it was the breath of God, it was the spirit of God that gave life to all of us. We are spiritual beings. We're created of spirit. And the spirit has got to lead us. And we're seeing that in all of these situations and all of these examples. And the final example, the third example that I wanted to highlight today is when the disciples were ready to receive a full download of the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem. Turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. It's the last chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And I'm going to read it. It says this. Beginning in verse 33. And they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And while they were still talking about this, watch this, you guys. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Jesus appeared to his followers. Jesus appeared to those who were called by his name. Jesus appeared to those that he had walked with. Jesus appeared to those that he has talked with. Have you walked with him? Have you talked with him? Have you had an encounter with Jesus? Have you had an encounter with God? Well, sometimes God will come and appear to you. He'll come to you in a dream. He'll come to you in a word. He'll come to you in a time of revelation. He'll come to you in a time of, of difficulty. He'll come to you in a time of a desert spiritual dry moment. He'll come to you in a mountaintop experience. And he'll remind you that you are a child of God, that you were called by his name, and that he will remind you that he stands right there in your midst and ask you the question, why do you doubt? Why are you troubled? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And he showed them his hands and feet. And while they, were, they, were, uh, while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and he ate in their presence. Hallelujah. And he said to them, this is what I told you 
while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Anybody who is a follower of Jesus has put their trust and their faith in him and has received their salvation as a result of something that took place inwardly, something that took place in your heart. It was an experience. It was, it was something when you, you, you felt and experienced the hand of God touch your life. Maybe intellectually, you, you, you comb through the scriptures, and just like it says here, Jesus said, as it was fulfilled in Moses and in the prophets and in the law, all things were fulfilled and completed in the life of Jesus. It was fulfilled in the resurrection of Jesus, the Son of God. That faith, that knowledge, that salvation that you and I have received continues to be underlined. Sometimes life will come and try to take those seeds of faith and trample them out. Sometimes the sun will come and scorch the seeds of faith that are producing stalks coming out of our hearts. And the sun will come and try to dry them out and wither them up. Whatever the case may be, today the Lord is reminding us, like the disciples that were there, that Jesus appeared to and says, go to Jerusalem and wait. Church, we have to be waiting in great expectation for the promises of the Father to be fulfilled. When the disciples were there demonstrating at Jerusalem that they wanted God to show up, that they wanted God to move, they had to be obedient. They had to go to the city, and according to the scripture, they had to wait until the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. According to Joel chapter 2. We read in the prophet Joel where it says that my, his spirit will be poured out upon all flesh, upon men and upon women. And now in the scripture we see the fulfillment of that taking place. In our lives, in the life of the church. These three examples of Jacob wrestling with the angel who wants it, who desires it. He wants everything that God has for him. Elisha, who wants to be equipped for every circumstance and every situation that he is going to face, chases after his master, demonstrating that he wants it. Just like in life, you don't just go giving everything to everybody. You, you want, sometimes you have to see that folks want it. In sports, coaches want to see that the player wants it, right? At home, when the kid asks for a bike, you say, okay, let's see how bad you want it. You got to mow the lawn the next two or three months and earn it. Let's see if he really wants it. Amen. 
But have we become an entitled people? Have we become an entitled generation who doesn't want to put in the work, who doesn't want to be equipped, who doesn't want God to undo a lot of ugly stuff that's in there? Are we the kind of people we just want God to just show up and do magic, do miracles? We just want God to just always make things better? Is that what our faith is all about? Or are we seeing here in Scripture that sometimes you got to go after it? Sometimes you got to demonstrate to God. Sometimes you got to declare and you have to align your declarations and your words with your actions. We as the church who God is trying to create into a people have to be in one spirit. We have to be in one accord. We have to be one body. And we have to be committed to the purposes of God. And that's the Great Commission. It's not just serving the purposes of God, but it's also serving the purposes in our lives. Many of us want to separate the work that God wants to do in our lives to heal us from the things that God wants to do in this world. You can't separate those things. The work of God is all-encompassing because God is in everything. God is present in everything. God is in our flesh and bones. God is in our words. God is in our relationships. God is at work. God is at our work. God is in everything. God is involved in our finances. God's involved in our relationship. He's involved in our children's lives. Everything is together because God is love. Can't separate the two. Everything takes place and happens together. 